Zurich. I'm so super excited to announce the guest speaker from today. His name is Pastor Lane Schrenz aus USA. And nobody drives the car as fast as you do and preach as fast and as fast as fast as you can. Come on, let's give a, an amazing big hand to Pastor Lane Schrenz on the stage. Come on. <laughs> All right, what's up, ICF? Are you excited to be in church today? I love it. Man, that is just an awesome time of worship. Why don't you give it up for ICF Worship? Those guys just do a, an amazing job. I am so honored to be here. I really love Leo and Susanna, and I'm, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to be here. And really, when you, when you truly love someone, you kind of automatically love who they love. And I, if there's anything I know about your pastors is they absolutely love and adore you. And so that means because I love them, I kind of automatically love you. And so if that's okay with you, I just love you. Is that okay that I love you? I mean, I, I, I thank you so much. And so I, I really feel at home. I, I was able to speak here a year ago, and that was such a privilege and an honor. I, I started making the journey over here to Switzerland about nine years ago and was quickly adopted by a wonderful family from your church. Many of you know Heinz and Annelie Strupler, and they're like family to me. I, I, I call them my Swiss parents, and I know they're just a huge part of this church and always have been, and so it's just a huge honor. I've been here at the, the ICF Men's World Conference. We had an amazing weekend. God moved in a powerful way. Uh, I'm actually uh, originally born and raised in the Rocky Mountains of Colorado. Uh, that's where I come from in the States, but I have heritage here in Switzerland. And so my last name, Schrantz, uh, comes from the Alps in Audubon, if you happen to know where that is. And so that's kind of the roots of my family name. And so I, I love coming here. It was a dream come true to come here for the first time. And so coming from Colorado, being here in Switzerland, I just, I just feel so at home. Uh, I left Colorado 14, almost 15 years ago to help start a church called Church of the Highlands that is in Birmingham, Alabama. It's where the rednecks are. We say y'all. Y'all, y'all come by now. Y'all come to church today now. And so that's where I live now. I live in Alabama in the south of the United States and absolutely love it. We planted the church uh, almost 15 years ago. Just like this church, it's exploded. Just like this church, we have multiple locations. So we now have 12 campuses. And just last Sunday, we had 35,000 people come to church on one day. Yeah, just that. God is moving in a great way. And I know God is moving here uh, through ICF as well. And so it's a big, big honor for me to be here. I've been married to my beautiful wife, Rachel. I think they have a picture of my wife, Rachel, and my, my two daughters who you can just pray for me. So my wife, uh, yeah, wow, thank you. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, but here's the problem. Wow is the problem. I am the father of two teenage daughters. So just for a moment, could you reach your hand out and pray for me? Please, God, God help him, Lord. Just help him. Help him, Jesus. Yeah, thank you, for, thank you for praying for me. But I love my family. They've all actually been here to Switzerland with me in the past. Uh, it's been several years. I'm hoping that they're going to come with me on a, a trip to train pastors over here uh, next year. And so I love them and I miss them, but I feel uh, so at home here and just an honor uh, for me to be a part of Church of the Highlands and be a part of ICF and uh, bring God's word to you. The men's conference that was incredible had a theme, and the theme was Everyday Superhero. And so we want the men of our church to be superheroes. 
uh, to make a difference. But I believe that this church is making a difference. And it's so much fun to be a part of a church making a difference, isn't it? I mean, it's just, it's just awesome because I, I kind of grew up in a, in a church that didn't seem to make a difference. It, it was, uh, the Bible says when you go to, it says, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go into the house of the Lord. That's not how I grew up. I was mad when they said unto me, let's go. I mean, I was, I was depressed when they said go into the house of the Lord because it just wasn't, uh, I was a part of a church that wasn't making a difference. It wasn't making a difference in the community. It wasn't making a difference in my life. And so it was just kind of frustrating as I, as I grew up. But this church is making a difference. There are people in this church making a difference. But some of us feel like that's something that we can't do. We feel like we're not making a difference. And I believe today, out of God's word, just like I shared with the men, I believe every single person here can be a superhero. Every single person here can make a difference. And I'm actually going to only give you two things that you need to do that will actually have the greatest impact. And if you want to take notes today or if you need a title for the message, the title is Different to Make a Difference. Because the reality is average never changed anything. Right? Just, if, if you think of the people in your own life that have had an impact, that have had a positive uh, change in your life, they were different. There was something about them that was special, something about them that was different. And so I want to show you today how you can be different so that you can make a difference. Let's look at the scriptures, Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine. Everyone say, my light. Okay, that was depressing. Okay, you're a light and that's a good thing. So I want you to say, my light, like that's a good thing. I want you to shout it out. My light. Oh, much better, much better, okay? So I need my light to shine before men. Okay, does our light shine before men so that we can look good? So that we can impress people? So that they, th- they can think Lane is cool or, 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 or we're, we're all that, that we're special? No, no, no. The reason why we are a light before others is so that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. That's why. So the reason we are to stand out, the reason we are to be different is so that God will get the glory, so that attention will be given to him. Now, I don't know about you, but it seems to me that the world has been getting a lot darker lately. I mean, there's just some junk happening. It seems like there is evil everywhere. There are horrible things happening actually all around the world, from planes crashing to ISIL and terrorism to the the refugees trying to, to save their own lives. I mean, there's just so much happening. Even in America right now, there's just this, this wave of violence. And it's just, it's just coming out of nowhere. It just seems like darkness is taking over the whole world. And if there's anything I know, that the darker it gets, the more important it is to have some light, right? And so Christians, we should not be discouraged. We can be disappointed about what's going on around the world, but we don't need to be discouraged. Because as far as I know, light defeats darkness 100% of the time. Light is undefeated against darkness. Light always wins. Light is always victorious. And we are the light of the world. So we're the ones that are to stand out and make a difference. I think back to a very dark day in our country, and it's a day that you all uh, would remember, and that is September 11th, 9-11, when the terrorists uh, flew planes into buildings and tried to kill so many people. And it was just a, a devastating day for us. It was a dark day. 
in America. And we, we were uh, about eight or nine months old as a church. We had started our church uh, earlier that year, and we had also started a college, much like ICF College, to train young people in ministry. And so we had had a plan that our very first semester of Highlands College, we would go on an international missions trip. Well, then September 11th happened, and we quickly changed our plan and decided, hey, let's not go to another country right now. Our own country needs us, and so let's go to New York City and try to serve the people there. Well, it took several weeks before we could make enough phone calls and enough connections to find one church called Abounding Grace Ministries on the Lower East Side of Manhattan, very close to Ground Zero, that said, hey, you can come up, you can come here from Alabama, and you guys can sleep on the floor of the church and we would love for you to come. And so a couple of weeks after September 11th, I loaded these 17 students, good-looking, young, strong college students, loaded them in vans, and we drove all day, about 16 hours, uh, across America to New York City. We get to the church late, late at night, and so we, f- we go to sleep on the floor, and we get up early the next day, very excited to meet Pastor Rick Del Rio. He's the senior pastor there, and we're ready to serve. We want to serve him, his church, the city, whatever we can do. We're willing to do anything. We get up early the next morning, and we're looking forward to him coming in, and we're there with some of the staff of the church, and then we hear a Harley Davidson pull up outside. The motorcycle is like, is that the pastor? And they're like, oh, yeah, that's Pastor Rick. We're like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then he comes in, and he's wearing this leather vest, sleeveless shirt, all these tattoos on his huge arms. he He has this goatee beard. He's this tough guy. I mean, he looks like a gangster, not a pastor. We're like, whoa, we're in New York City. This is awesome. This is, must be what pastors are supposed to look like in New York City. And I mean, this guy was cool. Uh, he was awesome. We said, Pastor Rick, what can we do? How can we serve you? And he said, you know what? Our church is really doing great, and we want you to touch the community. And, and an organization that's really doing a lot of that is the Salvation Army. And maybe they could use help at their warehouse where they're storing up food for the homeless, or maybe you could go feed the homeless Uh, Whatever they're doing, maybe you could volunteer with them and have an impact on our city. And so we said, okay, and that's what we did. I took the 17 students. We showed up at the Salvation Army headquarters there in Manhattan, and we said, hey, we're ready to serve. These young people are in love with Jesus. They're strong and ready to go. And they were actually desperate at that time. See, September 11th had been a couple of weeks before, and And they were running out of volunteers. They had all the volunteers they needed, even more than they needed at the beginning. And then after a few weeks of people serving, uh, they were running low on volunteers. And they said, Lane, would you be willing to take your team and and take all 18 of you and make three groups of six and work eight-hour shifts 24 hours a day? I said, we're here. We're ready to do whatever you want us to do. And they said, okay, we have a special assignment for you. We're going to have to do a security background check on you because we're going to send your team in to serve at ground zero. And that's what we said. We were like, wow. We didn't know that we would even get close to ground zero, even see uh, that part of the city because it was all secured. It was closed off. Actually, the ground was still smoking. If you can remember, even weeks after, uh, there was so much heat from the buildings that there was still smoke coming up. And so we got our security clearance. We got our, our badges. And I took the first group, and we went down, and we started to serve with the Salvation Army. So we were cooking meals for the firefighters, the police officers, the, the rescue workers that were recovering uh, the people that lost their lives. And so we had a, a tent set up literally on the rubble of, of the, the World Trade Center. You could feel with the, the equipment that was moving, you could literally feel the ground shake. And, and the smell was like that. I, I just, I'll never forget it. The, 
the smell and even buildings blocks away would have six to eight inches of ash and debris and dust on them because of that cloud of, of destruction that went through the city. And there we found ourselves right there in the middle of it, serving those people. And we were blown away that God would do that. And I, I served that first eight-hour shift. We had our other team come in. We, they took our place, and we went back to the church. And Pastor Rick was there, and he's like, okay, so where, where are you serving? Are you in the warehouse? And I said, no, we're actually serving at Ground Zero. And he was blown away. He said, Lane, no one gets into Ground Zero. That is clearly a miracle. God has opened the door for you. And I said, I know, and I want to be I want to be so grateful, but I'm actually a little frustrated because I came here to New York not just to make a physical difference, but we wanted to make a spiritual difference. We wanted to have an impact spiritually. It's awesome to give waters to police officers and give new pairs of gloves. We would resupply them, those that were working. And that's really good because we're taking care of a need. But I want to be a light. I want them to know it's because of Jesus. And he said, Lane, let me tell you, what my day was like on September 11th in my church just a few blocks away from Ground Zero. He said after the, the two towers had been hit with airplanes and the first tower collapsed, he knew he just couldn't sit at his church any longer. He had to go to Ground Zero in order to help people, to try to make a difference. And so he went outside and he got on his motorcycle and he was pulling out of the church to go. It's really only about two or three kilometers to Ground Zero. And he said, Lane, when I pulled away... I heard the voice of God so loud and clear say, go buy a priest collar. That makes no sense, God. Why would you have me go buy a collar when people are dying? I need to go to ground zero and help people. It, just, it made no sense to him, but he knew it was the voice of God. He never heard God's audible voice before ever in his life, and he knew he had to be obedient. And so he went the other direction and found the closest Christian bookstore. And he went in and he bought, bought the black shirt and bought, bought the, the collar and put on the priest collar. And while he was in the, the store, the second tower fell. And he realized, he's like, okay, God just probably saved my life because I would have ridden into that area and maybe he told me to get a collar so my life would be spared. And that's actually not the best part of the story. He got on his motorcycle and then he rode toward ground zero. You probably remember seeing on the news this cloud moving through New York City and, and people running as fast as they could to get away from all of that smoke and debris and ash and as that cloud is plowing through the city, he rode his motorcycle into that cloud. He rode it as far as he could go, as far as he could even see in front of him while people are running past him out. He said, Lane, the moment I parked my motorcycle and I stepped off the motorcycle, a firefighter fell at my feet and said, Father, pray for me. Father, we need a miracle, and began to weep, and he began to pray for that firefighter, and then a police officer, and then people that were running for their lives began to fall at his feet. For hours and hours and hours, he stayed in that place, covered with ash, barely able to see, and continued to pray for people. The reason he was able to do that was because of a little white collar. Because that identified him as a man of faith. It identified him as a light in a dark place. If he wouldn't have had that collar on, they would have ran right past him. He needed something that would stand out. He needed to be different. Just like every person that's had an impact on your life was different, he needed to be different in that moment. So he said, Lane, here's what you need to do since you're frustrated. <laughs> Go buy a collar. 
what? Are you serious? Like, is that spiritually legal? Like, I, I, I feel very awkward about that. I, I don't know about that. I'm not Catholic. I can't wear a collar. I'm not a priest. And he laughed at me just like you're laughing at me. And he said, yes, it's spiritually legal. There are Protestant pastors that actually wear collars. You're totally fine. And so I went and bought a collar. It felt very awkward, let me tell you. So the next morning, I'm going to work my first shift. And everything changed even when I left the church and started walking to the subway. I felt a little awkward. I've never worn a collar before. And I'm walking down the street and complete strangers in New York City, which is not known for being friendly. They're like, good morning, Father. Hello, Father. Thank you for being here, Father. Would you pray for our city, Father? And I'm like, oh, why are they talking to me? Am I supposed to do something with my hand? Like, I, I don't know what I'm, I mean, I, bless you. I don't, I don't know what to do. But everything changed. I ride the subway to, to ground zero and walk through the secured gate. And before we, we even got to ground zero, police officers, good morning, Father. Thank you for being here. Please continue to pray for us, Father. Everything changed. Instead of just meeting physical needs, we began to have conversations about God with these different people as they would have a meal break. And, and I was able to share why all these good-looking young college students were there to serve them. It's not because they were just volunteering. It's because they loved Jesus. And everything changed because of a piece of plastic, a collar around my neck. And so today's action point is go buy a collar. <laughs> Goodbye. Amen. No, I... Totally kidding. Totally kidding. That's not the action point. Because the collar made all the difference in that moment, I actually got very convicted. And it, it changed my perspective on things. I actually have a photograph of, of me in the collar. It's kind of embarrassing, but I'm going to show it to you anyways. All right, so there. go ahead and laugh. All right, go ahead and laugh. Um, this is inside our tent where we were serving meals, and this is actually on ground zero. We were not allowed to take photographs any, anywhere, and so this is the only photograph I have of 14 years ago when we were there. Uh, and on, on my side there, that's Tyrone, who lost his sister in one tower and lost his wife in the other. Just absolutely incredible story. Here we are just a few weeks later, and he is volunteering. He is serving. Now, that's a completely other, different message, but here's the deal. When he was in his greatest pain, he realized he would get healing if he served other people. I mean, that's a whole other message right there. And he's a superhero in my life. I'll never forget Tyrone and, and the example uh, that he set. But here's the deal, church. What I realized that week was that I don't want to make a difference because of a collar on me. I want to make a difference because of Christ in me. How is it that Lane could stand out? How is it that Lane could reflect who God is? How is it that I could be a bright light without the collar? And I knew I had to change some things. I knew there were things that I needed to adjust in my life. And I, I thought about the fact that you have to live a different life to have a life that makes a difference. That you can't be normal. You can't be the same as everyone else because then you blend in. And I thought back to the person that maybe had the greatest impact on my life. His name was Corey. My parents put me in a new school when I was 15 years old. I was completely freaked out. That is a bad time to take you out of your friend group and put you in a school where you know no one. Teenage boys don't do well with that. 
It was a tough time in my life, but it was Corey that was the first person at that new school that reached out to me. He was the first person to be my friend. He was the first person to introduce me to other people and show me around the school and tell me what groups to stay away from and who I should hang out with. And he became a great, great friend. And I knew there was something different about Corey, but I didn't know what it was. And after several months, Corey began to invite me to his church. And I was very hesitant about that because up until that point in my life, church was not cool. Church was not fun. Church wasn't making a difference. Church was something that was like a duty. It was like, ugh. But I also didn't want to go to his church because I'd heard some rumors about his church. I heard that his church had drums (laughs) and electric guitars. And up at that, that point in my life, that kind of freaked me out. I heard that people at his church even raise their hands during worship. What's that? I'd never seen that in my life. I even heard this. This is kind of crazy. That at his church, it's been rumored that people during worship actually danced. (gasps) What? (laughs) So I avoided him or avoided that question. No, Corey, man, I'm not going to go. For two years, Corey invited me to his church. Corey was different. And I knew it. And I was attracted to it. But what I realized, that I wasn't attracted to Corey. I was attracted to Christ in Corey. That's why he was different. That's why he was making a difference. And so how can we do that? How can each one of us be different to make a difference? And so let's talk about how we can be different first. Okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 17 and 18. For the, for the Lord is spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. So all of us who have had the veil removed, this is why we need to have a relationship with Jesus. Having the veil removed means that we can now talk to God. There is no separation. We have a relationship with God through Jesus. So if we've had that veil removed, if we have a relationship with Jesus, here's the purpose. It's so that we can see him and reflect him. See, it is to reflect the glory of God. That's why we have a relationship with him. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. And so the way that we become different is to get close to Jesus. That's it. Get close to Jesus. That's what changes us. That's what changes us from everyone else. That's why or how we become different, and that's what was different about Corey. See, we can only reflect Jesus to the degree we're willing to get close to Jesus. If we don't get close to him, we can't reflect him. If, if we're only close to Jesus, maybe for an hour and 15 minutes every few weeks and come to church, there's not going to be a whole lot of reflection going on. But if it's a part of our life, if we invest time every single day and get as close to Jesus as we can, that will make us different. That will begin to change us. I love Acts chapter 4, verse 13. As the religious people, right, the godly people are describing a few of the disciples. Here, here's what they say. When the religious people saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, and they were astonished, and they took note that they had great degrees from great Bible colleges. No? They, they were astonished and took note that they were great communicators. No. They were astonished that they were great worship leaders. No. They were astonished at what? That they had been with Jesus. 
that these men were close to Jesus. That's what people saw in the disciples. That's what was attractive about the disciples. That's what was attractive about Corey. That's what had an impact on my life is the fact that he was different. I wasn't seeing Corey. I was seeing Jesus reflecting off of Corey. And that drew me in. And so I want to ask you this question. And I ask this of myself, so please don't think it's just one direction. Are you close enough to Jesus to be different? Have you ever gotten close enough to Jesus for anything to change? And I ask that of myself constantly. Okay, Lane, are you close enough to Jesus right now to be any different than the world around you? Are you a light or have you gotten dim? Have you gotten darker because you're not close to Jesus right now? And so if, if we are in this place, we are either reflecting him or we're projecting ourselves. Which one is it? And I want to reflect him. And so how do we do that? How do we get close enough to Jesus to be a light? How do we get close enough to Jesus to be changed, to become different? Let me give you four things that you can do. Very simple, very practical. Number one, it's pretty obvious. Pray. Prayer is a way to get close to Jesus. Now, prayer is not formal not memorized, not in King James High English, thee, thou, Lord, mayest thou. No, prayer is communication with God. Prayer is a conversation with your greatest friend. Prayer is a conversation with the Lord who died on a cross for you. He loves you that much. Prayer is just talking to God. And the Bible talks about praying without ceasing. That means that you can just pray at any time, anywhere, at any moment, and just have conversation with God. That draws us close to Jesus. The second thing that you can do to get close to Jesus is fasting. Now, unfortunately, some people have the wrong idea of what fasting is. We think it's just this, oh, I've got to starve myself and be miserable to prove to God how horrible I am, what a sinner I am, and how miserable I am, so I'm going to fast and be miserable just to prove that I love him. That's not what fasting is at all. See, we are a body, a soul, and a spirit. And most of the time, our body or our soul is in charge. Our soul is our emotions, right? And our, our body is our physical body. And so my body gets what it wants when it wants. When it wants to eat, it's time to eat. we got to feed the flesh. And my emotions love to be in charge. I don't know about you, but my emotions love to be in charge of who I am. But fasting says, you know what? The body's not in charge the soul's not in charge. The spirit is in charge. That's what it's all about. So you can take times and, and fast a meal and just say, God, right now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip a meal. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast for a day or two. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to tell my body no, and I'm going to say yes to you through my spirit. That's what fasting is. The third thing that you can do is worship. Worship. Now, some of you are like me are like, yeah, but I don't have that gift. I can't sing. I can't play an instrument. No, 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 no. Every human being has a part of them that was created to worship. Worship is about our attention toward God, not about our talent level as a musician or a singer. I always love, anytime I'm in church, I'm always as far to the front as I can get, as close to the speakers as I could get. Because if you heard me speak or sing, you would leave church. Like, it is not good. Like, you don't want to be standing next to Lane during worship if the speakers aren't loud enough to drown him out. So being a, but I feel I'm a worshiper, not because I can sing or play an instrument. I, I have no rhythm. I'm like, eh. you know, I just have, I, I have no music sense whatsoever, but I love to worship. 
And there's no more excuse for us in this generation. We can have worship with us all the time. I mean, thanks to iTunes, we have, we have worship on our, I have ICF worship on my phone. I mean, yeah, it's awesome, yes. And that helps, helps me at different moments. I mean, you can worship in the train, you can worship in the car, you can worship at home. You can worship some of you at your job, depending on what you do. Sometimes you can have a headphones, and, and you can just take worship breaks and just take a moment. I call it a, a perspective adjustment. Sometimes in English we talk about a, an attitude adjustment, right? Oh, that guy needs an attitude adjustment. Well, I know that Lane oftentimes need a, needs a perspective adjustment. And when I worship, my perspective changes. My problem that's right in front of me, my challenge, my hurt, my pain that's right in front of me, when I worship, that gets smaller and God gets bigger. So worship draws us close to Jesus. And the fourth way that we can get close to Jesus is through the word of God. John 1.1, uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Basically, Jesus is the Word of God. Our Bible is the living Word of God. Once again, no more excuses. Our, our tablet or our, our smartphone, we can have the Scriptures right there. I love the YouVersion app. Have the Bible there and different translations and, and different plans. It's just right there. And, and I believe if we're going to get close to Jesus, we need to hear His voice every single day. The Bible is not a rule book to follow. It is a voice to hear. And unfortunately, a lot of us think that it's a rule book. And, oh, oh, you're so heavy, and i got to do this, and I can't. That's not what it is. It's the voice of God speaking to you today. I get so frustrated when, when someone will tell me God's never spoken to me, and I say, well, have you ever read your Bible? And they're like, oh, yeah, I read it all the time. I'm like, hello? He's speaking to you every time. Every time I feel like this, every time I go a day without reading God's word is a day that I've ignored his voice. And it's not, not that I need to feel guilty about that. Even as a pastor, there are days that just kind of get away from me, and next thing you know, the next day comes, and I didn't read the Bible, and it's like, oh, man, I missed out on hearing from God's voice. And so it's not about how many chapters or how many verses, but I think it's just important for us to get a little bit of God's Word in us every day, as much as we can, but still try to make sure we're hearing His voice every single day, and that will draw us close to Jesus. That will get us close to who He is. And as we get close to Jesus, our light gets brighter. People see him more than they see us, right? And that's the goal. That's what we want. And so getting close to Jesus is how we become different. But it doesn't stop there. If that's all God wanted for us was for us to get close to him, we should have church all the time. We should lock ourselves in our house and worship all the time. We should do nothing but read the Bible all the time. We should fast every single day because that's what it's all about, right? No. Because you can be as close to Jesus as anybody in the world. You can be closer to Jesus than Leo. You can be closer to Jesus than Billy Graham. You can be closer to Jesus than Peter or John. But it doesn't actually matter because that's only the first half. That's how we become different. How do we make a difference? Well, the way we make a difference is maybe an answer that you're not going to like. But in order for us to make a difference, we have to get close to people. That's God's design. That's his plan. That we would get close to him to be like him, to reflect him, and that we would get close to people to make a difference. But you might say, Lane, you have no idea about the people in my life. Like, you just don't know. Like, this person sitting next to me. No, don't point at the person next to I mean, just, but there's people in my life that have hurt me. Some of us have abused me. Some of us have re rejected or stolen from me. And the people in my life are the cause of the greatest pain in my life. 
And I don't discount that. I understand that. But it is still God's plan in his design that you make a difference. And in order for you to do that, you have to reach out to people. You have to get close to people. Because if we get close to Jesus and we are reflecting that light with no relationship, it's a waste of light. We have to have a relationship with people for that light to do anything. It's important that people are a part of that process. So people around us, they need us to get close to Jesus so that we'll change. And Jesus needs us to get close to people so that we can make a difference in their life. A very simple but profound truth. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This whole actual paragraph, several verses talk about this. But in summary, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Hear this, church. He, Jesus, needs you and me to be him for them. That's his plan. We're his representative. You're the only Jesus that the people in your life will ever get to see. The Jesus reflecting off of you is the only chance for many of them to ever have their life change. It's a tremendous responsibility, but it's also a tremendous privilege. Oh, but I'm, I'm scared to get close, man. I, that's when I get hurt. Well, let me give you a different way to get close to people, all right? Maybe some things that you haven't thought about that will make a difference. Four things. First of all, you've got to connect to a church. The Bible describes to the, the local church as the body of Christ. And so you've got to connect to the body of Christ if you're really going uh, to make a difference. Obviously, I love this local church. But if this isn't the local church for you, there's lots of great churches. Find one to connect to. I get so frustrated when Christians will just kind of wander around. I'm, I don't, I'm not really you know, part of that church or that church. I just like to do this and kind of go with the latest fad and all that. No, 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 no. You got to connect to the body. If I cut my hand off, chop right here, set it on that table. I know that's gross, but if I did that, it's still a hand. It's still my hand. But what's going to happen to it? It's going to shrivel up. It's going to change colors. It's going to start to stink. Still a hand but it will never do what it was created to do, what God designed it to do. So if you're a Christian, if you have a relationship with Jesus, you will never fulfill what God has called you to do separate from the local church. If you are separate from the local church, you don't understand your Bible. It's important to connect to the local church. It's never perfect. It's never pain-free because the local church is made up of human beings. None of us are perfect, but the body of Christ is how God designed us to work. And once you connect to the local church, the second thing you need to do is serve on a team. You need to st start operating as whatever you are in the body. If you're a hand or a foot or an eye or an ear, you've got to figure out what that is. And many of us, most Christians in America, 80% of American Christians have no idea what part they play, what their gifting is. 
when it comes to operating in the church. Well, this church will help you discover that if you don't know what it is. Some of us, it's, it's kind of behind the scenes. There are people that have giftings to, to run computers and cameras and do things in the office and administrate things and handle the finances. And there are other people that have a gifting to, to speak and communicate and others that, that lead small groups and those teams that are ushers and those at the door. There are so many things, so many ways, those that, that love taking care of kids. God bless those people. I didn't get that gift. You do not want me taking care of your child. They might not survive the hour and a half of church. (laughs) But find your place and serve on a team. And as you connect to a church and as you begin to serve, as this church gets bigger, which by the way, this church has to get bigger. It absolutely has to. Why does this church need to get bigger? So it's, 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 it's in the news? No. This church has to get bigger because heaven and hell are realities. People in our city are going to hell. They need Jesus. And so if we're going to reach people, the church has to get bigger. That's why we are, are, are going for a new building. That's why we're adding campuses and other churches. It's because of eternity the church has to grow. But as it gets bigger, it still has to stay small in small groups. Because God created you to be in relationship and to have people in your life. So no matter how big this church gets, no matter, now, no matter how much it grows in the new building a year from now, no matter what happens and how many campuses are added or services are added, it doesn't matter. We have to stay connected in small groups. We have to be in relationship with one another. That's how we begin to make a difference. And then the fourth thing that we can do, and it's very simple actually, invite someone to church. Invite them to church. Because as we're connected to the body, as we're serving in the body, as we're connected in a small group, we can invite others to be a part of this. Just this morning in the first service, a lady named Sarah brought a friend named Nicole for the very first time. And they came up to me after the service. And Nicole gave her heart to Christ in that service. Yes, come on, give God praise. But here's what this message is all about. It's because Sarah brought her to church. See, I finally went to church with Corey. After two years of him inviting me to his youth group, I went to church, and my life was changed forever. That was 26 years ago this last February, and everything changed for me. I got radically on fire for God. I got connected to that church. I started serving that church. I got in a small group, and I began to invite people to church, and that process started all over again, and I'm so thankful that Corey was different and made a difference in my life. I'm thankful that Corey got close to Jesus and then he got close enough to me to invite me to church. I'm thankful that Sarah was close enough to Nicole to invite Nicole to church and eternity has changed in her life forever. That's the opportunity that is before us. That is what God can do with each and every one of us. Just imagine your own life and the impact that you can have. I want you to see that beautiful picture And understand that that's what God wants for your life. He wants you to be close. And then he wants you to go make a difference. So that youth group that Corey invited me to, that youth pastor back then, is now the senior pastor that planted Church of the Highlands that I now work for. And if it weren't for Corey inviting me to his youth group 26 years ago, I would not be standing here in Zurich today speaking to you. It wasn't because he was some great man of God some great theologian, some great preacher. No, he was a good guy, just a normal guy, but he was close to Jesus and he made a difference in my life. You can do the same and that's my prayer for you. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads? I wanna pray for every person here.
Lord God, I pray for my friends. I pray that each one of them would see what they need to do, the adjustments that they need to make in their own life. God, I pray that every one of them would draw close to you. They would go after you in prayer. God, they'd go after you in fasting and in worship and in reading your word. I pray that they would get close to you. And God, I pray that they would get close to people, that they would make a difference. In Jesus' name. If you'd keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I believe some of you would say, Lane, I call myself a Christian. I've gone to church. I've thrown up prayers here and there. I've even read my Bible. But I know I've never gotten close enough to Jesus for my life to change. It's been on the surface. It hasn't been real. I've never changed. Or maybe some of you, you were in that place a long time ago. And you were changed and you were different and you were making a difference. But you kind of walked away. And like a long lost friend, Jesus is distant. Well, I believe whether you come into that relationship today, if you get close to Jesus today for the first time, or you're coming back to Jesus, this is your opportunity. And so I want to lead you in a simple prayer. So if you'd say, Lane, that's me. I need to get close to Jesus. I don't want you to hesitate with every eye closed, every head bowed. Would you just lift your hand right now all over the room? Just tell me right now. That's me. I need to get close to Jesus. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. All over the room. Thank you. Hands up all over. Awesome, awesome. Anyone else, you can put your hand up. Praise God. Thank you. You can put your hands back down. Let me lead you in a simple prayer. I'm going to ask the whole church would join you and me in praying this. So repeat this after me. Say, Lord Jesus. Come on, say it like you mean it. Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I want to be close to you. I want you to be my Lord. I accept what you did on the cross when you died and paid for my sins. I ask you to forgive me for living life away from you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for making me a new person. Thank you for our relationship. In Jesus' name, the church said amen and amen. Let's give God praise for changed lives. Come on. Thank you, Lord, that we can get close to you. Thank you, Lord, that we can get close to people. It's awesome.